Hey everybody, welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Well, hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior since 2006 and lifelong fitness fanatic. So today, I'm excited to bring you two guests, my first ever husband and wife interview. So talking with me today are Zach and Chelsea Leiter, who have a unique story and journey to share with us. Zach was diagnosed with Crohn's disease at the age of 12 and just underwent surgery in March to make his temporary ostomy permanent. His wife, Chelsea, is joining us today to also share her story as a newly diagnosed Crohn's patient just receiving her diagnosis this past September. So they're both here today to share their experiences and how they each manage their own diseases while supporting one another. So thank you so much for joining me today, Zach and Chelsea, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. We're excited. I'm excited to have you guys here. So you guys have been together for quite a long time, and Zach, you've been battling Crohn's since the age of 12. So why don't you start, Zach, by sharing your Crohn's story, and then also tell me a little bit about how you and Chelsea met. Sure, absolutely. So I was in sixth grade um, and started, you know, just kind of like everybody else. You had the loose stools, uh, never feeling good, stomach pain, uh, all that good stuff that comes with Crohn's. And my parents, you know, were kind of really worried at the time. So we live in Des Moines and in, two, in the early 2000s that we actually didn't have a uh, pediatrics GI in Des Moines. So we had to go about two hours away to one of the universities to actually figure out what was going on with me. Um, so we, you know, we did all the tests. We finally figured out that I had Crohn's disease. What was that like being so young at the age of 12? I mean, you're just barely learning about life at that age. <laughs> so what, what was it like to hear that news? It was, I think looking back at it, it was, it was pretty scary. You know, when you're so young, you don't, you hear that. I never heard of Crohn's disease before. I don't even think any of my anybody in my family really had heard of it. So it was, it was really scary at the time, you know, especially having to take, you know, I think I was taking like 15 pills a day. I'd never really taken a pill before. So just having to start off doing something like that, it was it was a tough time for our family. Um, and, but you know what? It, it it ended up being, it brought our family really close, as, as, as crazy as it sounds, but such a bad deal. But it, it was tough at the beginning. And did they try starting you on a lot of different medications or which ones yeah. did you end up going through? I was on a ton of prednisone. I remember that at the beginning. Um, and you know what? I, it's so long ago that, and there's so many different drugs that I've tried over the years that I, I tend to forget the names. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember what it was exactly at the beginning. I just know it was a lot of oral medications just to try to get it under control. Um, you know, at the beginning, I remember going from sixth grade to seventh grade and, you know, weighing like 60, 70 pounds. And, you know, all my other friends are playing football, playing sports. And I just, you know, I couldn't do it because I was so sick and so tiny. So it was a it was a tough it was a tough age to, to really get diagnosed with that. 
Did you end up having some relief eventually as you yeah, kind of got older? Absolutely. So as you know, junior high was the the big kind of trial that they after a year of having to drive to the neighboring college, they finally end up getting a pediatrics uh, gastro doctor in in Des Moines, and uh, they were able to actually get me on some new medication. Um, I would think it was, it was either eighth grade or ninth grade. I was able to get on Remicade. And that, that's kind of really when I went into remission. I was on Remicade for about six, seven years. Mm -hmm. So mostly through high school and the beginning of college, I was luckily being able to uh, be in remission for most of that. So that was, you know, it's kind of a blessing to be able to have my teen years to be actually pretty healthy. Yeah, that's wonderful. So then, then during this time, probably about... Oh, let's say end of junior high, early high school is when Chelsea and I started dating. Mm -hmm. so it was my my eighth grade year and her freshman year started dating. So Chelsea kind of got a good good glimpse of what Crohn's was at a young age as well. I remember us going to some dances and I ended up just in the bathroom the whole time because my Crohn's was acting up so bad. And she, you know, stuck with me, sat you know, sat outside, kept coming in, having someone coming in and check on me. And it, it was a tough time, especially for, you know, most people didn't really understand what the disease was in, in high school. So it, I was pretty lucky to find someone that, you know, really cared and, and to figure out what it was. That's awesome. I mean, that you guys were just kind of high school sweethearts who have just been together all this time and have been through so many challenges and struggles and still together. I think it's just wonderful. A little love story in the mix here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, we're, we're pretty lucky. It, you know, it, it, it's, it's not always easy as, as you know, with Crohn's and we all have our ups and downs with it, but she, she's been a trooper and, and dealt with it as the uh, years have gone on. So I've been, I've been pretty lucky with that. That's awesome. So Chelsea, I want to hear a little bit from you. Why don't you share your story because you're a brand new diagnosis and I'm curious did all the years that you've kind of been that you've been with Zach and watching him go through the disease did any of that prepare you for a diagnosis and what was it like having been so familiar with the disease and then discovering that here you were facing it yourself yeah you know it, and it's crazy um because I remember the day that I was diagnosed, we were on the way there and I'm like, Zach, there's no way that I have Crohn's because I still weren't hundred percent sure. I remember driving there, we pull up, I'm like, Zach, there's just no way, there's no way, you know? Um, and we're sitting there and he tells me I have Crohn's and I about fell off the table. Um, but, you know, back thinking back at that time, you know, I, when he had told me that, I knew kind of what was going to happen, which was nice. It was a blessing in disguise, I guess. Um, and even the doctor couldn't believe that Zach was sitting next to me and had, had had Crohn's for as long as he has. And now I have it. He's like, you know, hey, it's you guys, this is like winning the lottery, but not in a good way. <laughs> yeah. It's so, like, well, give me the lottery ticket. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'd rather much, much rather win the lottery than this. So, um, but yeah, you know, it did prepare me, um, you know mentally and I guess physically as well. You know, I knew what was going to happen, you know, right away they started me, they said, you know, because in our future, you know, we wanted to have another child. So I had made that apparent. They said, well, you know, 
Remicade is going to be the safest for you. So let's get you started on that and, you know, keep your Crohn's under control. So I knew going into, you know, starting Remicade, what it, the process was, you know, I used to sit and talk to Zach for three hours every time he had his Remicade and, you know, what the process was on that, how often I was going to have to do it. So, you know, like I said, it was a blessing in disguise for me because having to see my husband go through something so horrible and now knowing I'm going to have to do it, it just, it prepared me mentally, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So I guess that's, yeah. And how long had you been dealing with symptoms? Did it come on gradually for you or was your Crohn's a pretty sudden, sudden onslaught of, of symptoms? You know, it was actually after we had our son Cash. Um, we had him in June. And so um, I actually had him six weeks early and they could not figure out why they did every testing, looked at everything. And they were like, you know, I just don't know why. Well, September rolls around, or I guess it was probably August rolled around and I ended up having terrible stomach pain and I ended up actually going to the ER and, you know, they ran a bunch of tests and this doctor was like, yeah, you know, it, I don't know. Let's, let's check it. Maybe your appendix. So they sent me to the ER, did all that testing and kept me overnight. Well, that's kind of when the Crohn's diagnosis came about. So it, it, you know, it's just crazy how it all happened. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, yeah, it kind of all started with, with, I guess, having our child. So, which is nuts, I guess. So. Yeah, there's, there's some, theory or discussion that there's kind of a trigger for, you know, some of these autoimmune things where there's environmental factors and lifestyle factors, and usually there's a trigger. So who knows, maybe it's, you know, just, we never know what's going to trigger something in our body when it comes to autoimmune, but a big event like that could certainly, maybe it was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Yep, exactly. I like to blame my trigger on the anthrax vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's what I'm blaming my uh, Crohn's trigger on. <laughs> so, so Zach, why don't you tell me a little bit more about your story kind of after high school because you just recently had about 2 years ago you had a temporary ostomy and then yep. sounds like in March you made the decision to have that permanent. So tell me a little sure. bit from, you know, pick up where Remicade you're doing well and then how does kind of life get you to where you're doing the temporary ostomy? And tell me a little bit about that decision and then making it permanent. Absolutely. So, you know, obviously I went to college just like your typical college kid, doing great. Um, my first couple years of college, I was doing well. My health wasn't doing well. And then, you, you know, you start doing the college things. You, you drink, you stay up late, you study a lot, you're, you're stressed with school. And towards the end of the last probably few years of college, things kind of, you know, started getting worse. I started going to the restroom more. My, my stomach pain started kind of coming back. Didn't have the energy like I did. Um, come to find out that I was starting to build up antibodies to the Remicade. Uh, it's kind of stopped working. So I went to the next biologic, which was Humira. Uh, that kind of stopped working. We, we tried this drug, Lialda, which was a, it was a pill form. And I ended up, I was, it was, I remember it was right around finals time. I went, I, I had to drive to class and I 
had no, it had been, I'd been really sick for about a week and I had no control over my bowels at all. I get to pull into class or to take into my final and I literally pooped my pants because I couldn't control it. I went up there and had to tell the professor that I'm sorry, I can't take this final because I literally pooped my pants. Come to find out I had a reaction to the medicine and had pancreatitis that I was living with for a week and just kind of just toughed it out thinking it was it was Crohn's uh, acting up. That was that was a long, long week. My mother-in-law, who's were really close, called me and said, "You need to get to the ER right now. You got something going on." And so that that spent about a week, week and a half in the hospital recovering, recovering from that. Now, did the pancreatitis form from as a side effect of medications, yep. or did, yep, okay. So now that's something that I have to put on every time that I'm allergic to Lialda because it was a side effect to the to the medication. So it was, it, that was that was something else. That was an experience. A lot of pain, a lot of discomfort. Um, you know, we deal with a lot of pain with Crohn's, but that was that was something di- way different. But after that, you know, um, I get I get to my senior year of college. You know, I, I we went to Humira after that. Um, didn't work. Went to Antivio. Didn't work. Um, and then towards my last finals of school, I, I started getting really bad. That. I'm the same deal. I was losing my weight again, going to the bathroom more, had no control. You know, I graduate. Uh, Chelsea and I um, got engaged. We bought a new house. I started a new job. So you have all your triggers of stress right there just kind yeah. of piling up with you. you no, know? no small amount of stress there. Exactly. You know, and, and that I've noticed for me with over the years that my one of my biggest triggers of stress, the more stress I have in my life, it, it just really amps up my Crohn's. Um, so, you know, during that time period, it, it got it got pretty bad. We ended up getting married in September of that right after school. Um, I just remember being on our, you know, our, our wedding day and our honeymoon, and I just was not doing well. I wasn't myself, you know, without as as much as we could. But it, I, I had my dark circles under my eyes. I, I when I, with my Crohn's, I get really bad body aches, and my, my body aches were there on top of the stomach pains. Um, so fast forward about a year, we found that I, I, I was. In my job, it was a really demanding job that I, I had to manage, you know, multiple guys and multiple construction product, projects, night jobs, things like that. Um, I would literally go to work, come home, sleep the rest of the night, do it again. And that was kind of my life for a while. Um, I literally got so sick that I'd be throwing up in the, the bathroom at work. My, my stomach pain hurt so bad that it was like a constipated pain. But come to find out, it was just my intestines were so swollen that no poop could get through. So uh, Chelsea, Chelsea and I actually found out that we were pregnant, and that's kind of led for me to get the temporary colostomy bag to give my lower colon and rectum a break to uh, hopefully, you know, let it heal. And I wanted to, you know, get my life back to be able to be a dad and a good husband again. So that was that was the main reason to lean to the temporary. And so you had the temporary for two years. Was there anything that kind of served as a catalyst for saying, all right, this is, this is going to go ahead and be permanent. Let's do this or take me through that kind of mental process and decision. 
No, absolutely. So yeah, when when we went with the temporary, you know, I was absolutely terrified. It was, you know, being 25 and hearing you're going to have a, a cost me bag. I was like, I, this is not something I want to want to do. But, you know, hearing the news that I was going to be a dad, it was it was definitely the right move. Um, those two years, it honestly gave me my life back. I get myself again. I go out and do stuff with friends. I could do my job. It was it was a blessing in disguise. So we fast forward the two years, like you're saying, um, I had all my, you know, colon- we, we tried to do a colonoscopy um, and he couldn't get up there with the camera because it was so swollen. So they did a MRI enterography inter- deal and the inflammation was just still just as bad as it was when I first had it. So Wow. This is even after two years? Yep. Two years. And I was on uh, Stellara and I'm still on Stellara over those two years um, to, you know, try to help you know, with that inflammation down there. And so it, it was still that bad after two years of, you know, giving it a break down there. So basically what doctors had told me, he said, you got two, you got a couple options. Either your colon's going to burst, you're going to get colon cancer, or we take out, take it all out down there and you have a permanent colostomy. So I said, well, I don't, I definitely don't want it to burst and I don't want colon cancer. So I guess that's what we're going to do. So it took me a couple months to kind of really decide in my head, you know, my surgeon that I had for my first one always told me that you have to be mentally prepared to that. You're going to have this forever before you do it. So after kind of hearing that, I really had to prepare myself that Okay, I am going to have this forever because, you know, a classroom bag is it is scary to think about, but it's it's not the end of the world. You know, you you can deal with it. You can it, you can live your life. But I, you know, once we finally made that decision, um, it was it was for the best. I'm 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 glad now that it's done and over with, and I'm it, I'm ready to move on with life and hopefully, you know, kind of get back to myself again. Mm-hmm. How's the recovery going? Because you're still, I assume, you're still in recovery mode because it's only been about yep. a month now. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, <laughs> we, we we talked to the, my, my surgeon uh, after uh, my surgery, and he had told me that my colon and rectum area was so bad that usually when they take it out down there, it's kind of rubbery. But he said it was like a steel pipe is how bad my intestines had got down there. Wow. So after, after hearing that, it was kind of like, you know, it, it was a sigh of relief that there was really no way that it was going to kind of come back to be a normal colon. So, uh, you know, I ended up being in the hospital for about five days and um, recovery now. The biggest things for me is they, they did everything robotically. So I was I don't have these huge incisions or anything like that, which was which was great. But um, right now it's just getting my 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 bottom my bottom to really heal up and be able to sit for a long period of time and then just get my energy level back. Other than that, it honestly has been going really great to be honest with you. That's good to hear. So tell me a little bit, both of you can kind of jump in and answer this, but how does Crohn's affect your day-to-day life with both of you having the de- you know, the disease? How do you juggle that and how does it you've both got Crohn's, you've got a little little boy who a toddler still. So how does that affect your day-to-day life? You know, right now it's really tough because I'm I'm on a weight limit deal, so I can't pick up our son, which has been really tough on Chelsea. And you know how it goes. We 
with Crohn's, you have your highs and your lows and you have your moodiness and you have, you have it all. So we, we kind of both, we say it's our Crohn's period at a times where we, 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 they, send, they tend to link up at times. Mm-hmm. For, for us, we just both just try to, you know, take a deep breath and we, we both realize what we're going through. And it's different. Like for us, it's, 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 there's different types of the way it affects our day because, you know, with mine being as severe it is and hers kind of more a moderate case, it, it's, it's just kind of different to look at each other and kind of see what we go through on a daily basis. Yep. Anything you want to add? No. Yeah. Hot on. Uh, you know, Zach's and, and I always say this when, you know, we're describing it to people is I always put it as a scale. So I'm like, you know, Zach's is a nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 and mine's about a three out of 10. And so, Luckily, one of us can function mostly on a daily basis and can take care of, you know, our son and stuff around the house and our dogs and, you know, everything. So at least we have one of us knows if one's struggling and, you know, having a bad day, the other one steps up and does whatever we can to help each other. So it's it's kind of nice knowing that we're both struggling at the same time with the same type of things but mm-hmm. one of us will you know step up and and take charge if need be so i i imagine that having that understanding of truly knowing what each other is going through can really make such a big difference because it's one thing when you know your spouse maybe doesn't you know does not have crohn's disease and and they're sympathetic to it but it's another thing to truly be going through it yourself and truly understand so it i imagine that definitely makes makes it nice to know that you can just understand each other better that way yeah yep absolutely so tell me a little bit about flares and just like chelsea you've been dealing with this for almost a year now and and zach you've been dealing with it for many years are there certain things that you guys have learned over the years and just with your experiences on when you do feel symptoms starting to ramp up? Are there certain things that you found beneficial that do help you or things not to do even? Um, you know, with mine, the two flare-ups that I had, I guess I don't know necessarily what had caused it. Um, but since I've been on Remicade, I have not had any flare-ups so i've been fortunate on that aspect of it um yeah for me you know the good question because sometimes these flare-ups can last a long time and sometimes they're you know just short and brief for me like i was kind of saying i i didn't deal with a ton of stomach aches it was just more like when my severe uh right before my uh surgery but i i get really bad body aches and i get really fatigued that's that's the really bad part of mine, and so for me, I I always just I rest, I get as much rest as I can, but I make sure to get up and walk as well and be around people. I this disease can really get you so isolated, and I feel like that at times can make it so much worse. So that's that's the big thing for me is that I make sure to get my rest, but I also try to be around people to to make give you that normality with life, and not to you know be in bed as much as possible but easier said than done yeah i think that's a great a great tip though it's a great thing to point out because i know you know just even my own experience of how quickly i can be doing great for so long and there's just one bad day and all of a sudden 
like for me, I'll just spiral downward because it's all the years that I felt bad and felt horrible. And it's like this fear comes back. And so yep. I, I think it's, it's important to remind yourself that no, get out, see people, you know, laugh, enjoy company exactly. of other people. And, and it's a great, that's a great tip. Well, and like, like, you know, this disease, it's so hard to, to, you know, in a sense to talk to people about it because one, it's an invisible disease, you know, like, it's not like if someone sees someone's leg broke, they're like, Oh yeah, I get it. You know, but with this, you know, now that I guess I have a colostomy bag, people can see it, but for so long, you know, and especially being in the younger age, people just didn't understand. Uh, they don't understand that you're hungry, but nothing sounds good to eat or you're, you just woke up, but you're extremely tired still. It, it, it's it's a tough disease. And so being not afraid to talk with it about people, that's what truly helped me is just making sure that I didn't isolate myself and talk through it with people. That's that, that's one big advice I can give to people. That's a good tip. So tell me a little bit about food. Are there, how uh, how is it in your household with two of you having Crohn's? <laughs> but it sounds like, you know, Chelsea, it sounds like you're, you're in remission and doing really well. And, and Zach, hopefully the surgery is giving you a wider diet, but tell me about yeah. food, how that's affected things over the years and a little bit now. Yeah, for sure. So my, my biggest things is I've been pretty lucky that I, I've been able to eat mostly everything over the years. The biggest things for me is, you know, popcorn, corn in the cobs, seeds, nuts, and I absolutely love popcorn and, and corn in the cob. I mean, we live in Iowa, so you, you get some of the best corn in the cob. But, um, you know, with this over this last two years of having a colostomy bag, I've, you know, I've been able to bring those foods kind of back into my, my diet, which is which has been a nice thing. But I've been pretty blessed over, you know, growing up that I didn't really have too many foods that I couldn't eat. And the biggest, I mean, I need to do a better job of eating better. And that's, that's the one thing with my having this permanent colostomy. I mean, Chelsea kind of her goal is for me to, you know, really be able to put back on healthy weight and do it the right way. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know why. And I, I don't know if it's just because it's down there and that gas running. I have a really bad craving for sugars all the time. I have a very bad sweet tooth and that I, does not help my Crohn's at all. Those sugars and pops, Really, I can tell cause my flare ups at times, but I I just I eat it and I don't I don't know why I do. It's just a bad <laughs> habit of mine. I understand. I have a terrible sweet tooth, and I uh, I think it's I I say it's because when my mom was pregnant with me, she pretty much survived on uh, peanut M and M's and Diet Coke. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where my sweet tooth came from. But I. Uh, oh, I completely understand what you're going through. <laughs> oh, it's it's so I I. I, that's my habit. I'm, my, my goal to break is to get away from those sweets now that my surgery is over. But um, Chelsea, how about you? Do you have any? No, like Zach said, I mean, we were joking about it today. <laughs> His uh, eating style is pretty unique. Like today he had four star crunches and I think two ice cream sandwiches already. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, D, come on, man. But and I'm more of the other side of it. I'm pretty, I'm active. I work out. I'm pretty um, healthy when it comes to eating, you know? So I'm trying to 
persuade that into Zach's lifestyle. So <laughs> it's definitely a mountain to climb because it takes a little bit of time and he is a super picky eater. So that's my, my hurdle, but we're working on it. I'm trying to get him on track. And I think that definitely will help him to feel better. You know, when you cut out pops and sweets and things like that out of your diet, it, you really do feel like a whole new person and, and it will give him a little bit of spark, I think. So that's our goal right now. That's an awesome goal. I totally support that. <laughs> so <laughs> how do you balance, what have you found that works to balance stress? Because Zach, you mentioned stress is a huge trigger. I imagine Chelsea, I'm sure life is stressful with a, a toddler as well. And I know for me, stress is a huge trigger. So what have you guys found to really be able to manage the stress and just balance life, work, and kids, and Crohn's? You know, that that's a great question because it's not easy. Um, you know, that first job that I was telling, talking about earlier, I actually had to quit that job because I was so stressed out with it. And that's kind of where my downfall being sick and everything was. Um, so I actually ended up finding a job that was kind of out of my, out of my field of what I went to school for in a sense. And it actually worked out to be a blessing in disguise. It was a lot less stressful and it had better health benefits, which was a plus. So for us, I think what we both try to do is, you know, we keep work at work and then when we're at home, you know, we try to just be as stress-free as possible. We we make sure to hang out with our son and try not to be on our, our phones that we tend to be on at times and that we see and can stress us out with whatever. Um, so that that's the biggest thing is just making sure we're, we're staying together and taking our deep breaths when we need be. Um, how about you with you and your work? Yeah, um, I'd say, I mean, we do we do a really good job of keeping, like Zach said, keeping work at work. Um, because that's just one stressor that you bring home and it doesn't need to be, doesn't need to be. So with child, everyone knows they, they can be super stressful at times, but like I said earlier, um, you know, we're a team and when we need to tag the other one in, we do it. So we definitely try to help each other out as much as possible because we know what happens with stress for both of us is it just, it's not a good cause for us. So we definitely to help each other out on that side of it as well. So that's I think that's a great tip of being able to leave work at work. And I want to dig in a little bit more on that. Do you have any tips on how you've been able to to do that? Zach, it sounds like you just found a, a new job entirely, which I think is an important thing to point out because sometimes that is what it takes is to actually remove yourself from a situation a stressful situation and find something better. So Chelsea, do you have any tips on how you're able to completely leave work at work and then be able to come home fresh and kind of relieved of that? Um, you know, I guess during the day, if, you know, there's some things that are, you know, stressing me with work, I'll talk to Zach cause he'll usually talk me off the ledge and, and help me through it. Um, but I mean, once, you know, the end of the day hits, we, we just really try not to talk about it or bring it up. And, you know, if, if something is bothering us, we will. Um, but other than that, I mean, we try to keep it within the work hours. If something, you know, at work bothering him, we'll talk about it during the work hours. But I mean, once we're home, we try to have a home life. You know, we try to keep everything 
everything out and just try to try to be normal. So honestly, we just block it out from, you know, eight to five, which, you know, I'm in sales, so it's not necessarily an eight to five job, but, you know, I try my hardest to, you know, block my time out for my family. So Mm -hmm. that's my biggest thing. I think that's a great tip for people who don't have Crohn's even. (laughs) I think, um, I think a lot of people could benefit from, from doing that, from leaving work at work and setting those boundaries and coming home and having that family time and time together. A lot lot easier said than done, but we, we try to make it a priority as much as we can. And I imagine practice makes perfect. You keep practicing it and exactly. <laughs> it gets easier. Exactly right. Yeah, it's, it sucks when you have your work email on your phone and you, you see it pop up. But you know what? You got to do what you got to do sometimes. Exactly. So tell me a little bit. I want to talk about advocacy um, because you guys, you've just recently started. It looks like you recently started your Instagram account to really start spreading awareness for IBD. So tell me a little bit about what compelled, I think, both of you to start being advocates for Crohn's and colitis and start sharing your own stories. You know, I think it was something that Chelsea and I had just we were talking about one day that, you know, we're like, you know, we have a unique kind of deal that we've that we've both thought that it could really benefit, you know, other Crohn's patients out there. And I I honestly, we, we went, I went to a support group one time here in Des Moines and I got a lot out of it, just kind of hearing other people's stories. And, you know, you see these people that are newly diagnosed with Crohn's and, you know, they looked absolutely terrifying hearing some of the stories of what these people go through. So we, we just kind of thought that, you know, maybe we could bring a, a different aspect of a couple a couple that both has Crohn's and, you know, get, shed some light on what's, what it's like to live with it and, you know, kind of a different way and kind of how we deal with it. That was, that was kind of what we were thought, thought about. And it took us some time to really kind of get started with it, with my surgeries and everything that we had planned going on and having a two-year-old running around. But we're glad we finally did get to it and we're glad we'll be able to, you know, share our story and hopefully, you know, it helps other people. We've had quite a bit of people reaching out to us just, you know, thanking us for sharing it. We're blessed to answer anybody's questions that reach out to us. So we're, we're pretty excited about it. Yeah, we have a pretty amazing IBD community, I think. It's, Absolutely. it's really incredible just the amount of people that are so ready to support one another and answer questions and help each other. It's pretty incredible once you start reaching out and talking with people and really seeing this community it's it's pretty cool no absolutely it's it, you know it's, it's such a tough disease to talk about uh, you know some people just don't like talking about poop and things like that so it's good to, to let people know that it's okay to, to talk about it. it's okay to share your story and not feel so isolated and that that's the biggest thing for me that reason that i wanted to start it is let people know that you don't have to be isolated and not talk about it yeah, I think that's I think it's great cuz like you're saying it's so easy so easy to not talk about it cuz you know yep. you you don't want to go to work and tell your boss about, you know, I'm I'm late because I, you know, had multiple bowel movements this morning. Exactly. Or, <laughs> exactly right. Can be tough to navigate. So For sure. Tell me a little bit cuz you've just recently gotten involved with the Gutted Out Foundation. So tell me a little bit about what that is how you got involved and what you're doing as part of that. 
For sure. So Jake Diekman's a professional baseball player for the Royals. And I, I, a friend actually sent me a picture a few years ago of, you know, him and he had a colostomy bag and I just got my colostomy bag. And, you know, I'm like, wow, this is a professional baseball player. You know, he, he has UC and uh, he was just going through his three surgeries for his J pouch. And, you know, so we sent Kelsey and I kind of started following, you know, his journey over the last couple of years. And so we, we saw that um, he was doing a, a fundraiser, you know, his go, uh, goal to raise some money for Crohn's and colitis um, research. And he was looking for some ambassadors. So I decided to sign up and start my, my fundraiser uh, to, you know, see what we can do. And, you know, we just actually reached our thousand dollar goal and we're now we raised it up to 2000. So if anybody's looking to donate to a good cause, check out our Instagram link. But no, it's it's going great. We're uh, we're we're right now we're still game. We've been reaching out to community members, family, friends that have helped donate. We're actually gonna be working on some hopefully fundraisers here in our hometown to help help uh, raise some more money. So it's it's been a, it's been really fun for us right now. That's awesome. What kind of fundraisers do you think you guys are gonna try to try to work on and maybe develop? So we we there's a couple restaurants in town that. Uh, we were trying to talk to that maybe, you know, to hold a Crohn's and colitis fundraiser there um, where we, you know, we kind of work it and then get people there do some games and stuff like that. And we've also, um, we have a local uh, baseball team here that we're, we're trying to talk with too, to hopefully maybe, maybe uh, collab with them on a project as well. So do you think one of the things I like to ask people that have been advocating about Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, do you think that, being an advocate has shaped your view of the disease and has it changed as you've evolved? You know, that's a good question. I guess I've really haven't thought about it too much. You know, I think with this disease, you're, you kind of have a mindset for so long about it that it's tough to kind of change the way you see it. But I, I had never known what a colostomy bag was. I never, you know, had seen another person with a picture of it. And being on, like, since we've started this, seeing how many other people have it, seeing how many other people are going through Crohn's and UC, it's it's amazing to know that you're not alone and that there's a great community of people around there. I think too, the biggest thing being an advocate for Crohn's and colitis is, you know, educating people who have no idea on the disease. So. You know, there's so many people in the community who, you know, they know Zach and I, but they don't know what either one of us goes to on a daily basis. So, you know, hosting fundraisers and doing things like that in the community and educating people and letting them know about the disease, I think is huge. Um, and just for people to have a better understanding of, you know, what people with Crohn's colitis go through on a daily basis, too. Yeah, I think that's really important. There's there's just so many people out there that really have no idea what it is. And without people like you guys, you know, being being out there and sharing the stories and bringing it to the community, there's few opportunities for people to learn about it. What's been one of the most, is there anything that you've found, what's been one of the most surprising things that you've maybe discovered as you've been teaching people and educating people about the disease? Have you had any surprising reactions or anything that's been interesting as you've gone through this advocacy process? Um, 
just, I guess nothing really sticks out to be super surprising. And again, I've known what Crohn's is since, you know, I was 13 years old because of Zach, but it's just, it's crazy. Like, you know, how Zach said at the beginning of, you know, our conversation was no one really knew about Crohn's when he was diagnosed, but there's so many people who still don't know about Crohn's. And I think that's the biggest, the most surprising is what is, you know, you get people to say, what is Crohn's? Well, what is that? And, you know, being in this, having this disease for as long as we have, it's just funny to hear that because it's like, oh man, here we go. You know, starting at square one. So I would say that's the most surprising thing that I've ran into, but you know, and a big thing too, is a lot of people I feel like popping up here and there, we keep hearing is getting diagnosed with Crohn's. So that's something else that's been surprising too, that we've tried to understand as well. It's, it's interesting to see, oh, I have Crohn's now and I have Crohn's. I just got diagnosed. It seems like people are just getting diagnosed left and right now. So. Yeah, I definitely agree. It does seem that it is becoming a lot more prevalent. And so it's, that is kind of an interesting phenomenon that's happening, I guess. So if, if people want to keep up with you guys, tell me where they can find you online, uh, where the best places to go is. And then if they want to make donations for the Gutted Out Foundation or contribute to your fundraiser, what's the best way that people can follow you, keep up with you, and learn more about your journeys? The best way to follow us is through Instagram at our page, which is The Unspoken Journey. Um, and on that page in our bio, there's a link to the Gut It Out Foundation, and you can donate through the website there. Fantastic. I'll put, um, I'll put both those links in the show notes so that people will be able to just easily click on them and, and find them if they're looking for them. Well, I actually have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So, one, you know, I, I know how much you're involved in, you know, with the Crohn's uh, food, fitness, as your podcast is. What, is. what is some advice you can give to me or to help me put on that healthy weight that I'm looking to get. Definitely. Is there anything? Go ahead. Sorry. Didn't oh, no, that's interrupt. okay. I was going to say, uh, definitely not the ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, honestly, I think finding the right food, so the foods you can tolerate, which hopefully is a wider variety, but I'm, I'm a big proponent of protein. I think our bodies definitely need protein. It's, it's in, you know, it's the makeup of our muscles and our bones. And so our, our bodies need the building blocks that, you know, the amino acids that protein can give us. So I'm a big, sure. big believer in eating proteins and lots of healthy fats, um, animal fats, uh, things like avocados and getting enough calories in. Cause if you're going to grow, you need the, the energy surplus. So I would definitely, yep. definitely say, eat good calories, you know, lots of protein, get some healthy fats in there. And what you suggest doing, you know, cause I've heard a lot of people say with Crohn's that they don't do three big meals. They do like six smaller meals. Like, is that something you look into or is it more, you just kind of do the norm normal? I've actually, um, many years ago, so probably 18, almost 20 years ago, I did some, I used to do fitness con- competitions. And so I used to do the typical bodybuilding, you know, eat six meals and eat, eat your breakfast, eat your snack, eat your protein shake, eat another meal, eat another snack. And, um, and I, and I used to do that and, and it works, you know, a lot of bodybuilders will do that, but 
one of the things I've learned over the years is just the way that our hormones work. And so every time we're eating, we're spiking that insulin, which is good for growth, uh, which is probably why a lot of bodybuilders do that. But it's also doesn't give our bodies time to rest. And so lately I've been, I've been playing a lot with fasting just to help my digestive system get that time to rest and repair and eat. And so I've seen, I've seen a lot of people be successful doing that, you know, six meals a day style, but I've also seen a lot of people be really successful doing the, the OMAD, the one meal a day or just twice a day. Um, kind of just listening to your body, eating when you're hungry, making sure you get enough calories and filling in whatever. Once you get your proteins and fats, fill in with whatever vegetables, corn, <laughs> you, you know, yeah. corn is always Absolutely. a good grower. <laughs> if you go to the, the, <laughs> the corn fed football players are always the big ones. So, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, that's, um, it's kind of what I would recommend lifting Lifting no, weights is lifting weights as you can as you get stronger and just working yep. up and helping your body to grow that way. It's it's not it's definitely not easy to put on muscle. If it was, all the bodybuilders <laughs> would have the the secrets exactly. figured out. So it's a definitely a long journey. No, but. That, that's the biggest thing for me is I I just need to get like she said get down and do it because I know now that I've got that bad part of me out that I, I think I really could be able to put on, you know, that healthy weight. And, and that's, that's one thing I'm really looking forward to. Mm -hmm. And I will say the sugar cravings, they do go away. They're hard. Like for me, I'm a huge chocoholic and, but, um, yep. and chocolate chip cookies are my probably the most favorite food oh, yeah. on earth. But, but I have not had any chocolate or cookies or anything for at least two years now. And, oh, wow. and, I I still love sugar and I'll watch but I can watch my husband eat a piece of cake or I can I can watch him eat food and I look at it and yes I want it because I still remember how delicious it is <laughs> but but I don't I don't crave it I don't have to have it if that makes sense and cuz I've sure. I've been off sugar long enough that the cravings they've they've dissipated and yes, I still want it more. It's more of a a mental thing. I just I love I love sugar. <laughs> and yeah, uh, that's, I'm right there with you. And like, do you take? Because one thing like we've researched is like that candida that's like down in there. Do you take like probiotics or anything like that to kind of help fight off I, those bad? I do, and you know, I've I haven't really found anything to actually work. Like I've. I've heard people say the branch chain amino acids can help when you're take those if you're having sugar cravings or, you know, take XYZ. And I've tried pretty much all those things, but I still, I still just want the real thing. And I, I think yeah. it's, I think it's just because I, you know, like I said, my mom, when I, when she was pregnant, <laughs> it was M&Ms and Diet <laughs> Coke. And then <laughs> I grew up, you know, in the eighties and nineties and I lived on Pop tarts and ramen noodles yep. and Lipton iced tea, full sugar, and everything Absolutely. was just. We'd come home after school, we'd have cookies, we'd have dessert, pretty much most nights of the week, and and it's just. I think it's just in me. So even though I've been well, avoiding it because I've been kind of 
I've been keto for a long time. I've been low carb for a long time. And then really I'm now more of a carnivore approach. And so the cravings are gone. I don't, I don't walk around, you know, throwing pillows around looking for chocolate, but, <laughs> but I, there's light at the end of the tunnel. There's light at the end of the tunnel. It gets easier. I, you know, yes, I still want it, but it's, it's easy to pass it up. And so if hopefully that gives you a little bit of, you know, motivation that if you can get through the hard part of just breaking the sugar addiction right now, <laughs> sure. then uh, Absolutely. It, does, it does get easier. Well, is there anything that I did not ask you, either of you today that you want to share with the audience? You know, the one thing that I want to just stress to people as well, and we've kind of talked about it, is that one thing that doesn't get talked enough about Crohn's, you know, we talk about the pain and all that good stuff, but we don't talk about the mental side of Crohn's. I think it does need to be talked about more because what we go through, the highs, the lows, the isolation, it can, can really be depressing at times. And so I, I just really want to stress to people, don't be afraid to go talk to someone about what you're going through. Don't isolate yourself because I did that right before my my uh, my first surgery. I got super depressed because with everything's going on and I, I finally was able to you know really talk about that I was depressed because of what was going on and it, it helped me a ton. So just don't isolate yourself and don't be afraid to talk about what you're going through. That's a good tip. and. It can't be, can't be said enough. All right. Well, Zach and Chelsea, thank you both so much for sharing your journeys with me today, with our audience today, and doing everything that you're doing with the Gutted Out Foundation and building up some fundraisers and really raising awareness for IBD. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for, thank you for having us on. We really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Thank you both. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member, that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at crohnsfitnessfood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at Crohn's Fitness Food, or visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.crohn'sfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.